growing up i would describe what i grew up with as the spirit of ubuntu some people call it ubuntu and i heard you referring to chino achebe as well who has one of the foundational readings on the spirit of ubuntu which is africa's people and we are like our humanity is defined and created through other people so we are all connected fundamentally we're connected to each other we are connected to nature and i think that spirit needs to be carried through in this environment in that in terms of how we create environmental projects whether it's in africa whether it's a project in the school we're not just looking at a project we're not just looking at subjects we're not just looking at um, things we're looking at people that we are connected to we're looking at feedbacks we're looking at welcome to another lovely outstanding brilliant episode of the Hartwood podcast I'm your host Dr. Thomas Richard Easley co-host Ben in the Lupo and you can hear it in my voice that I am smiling from cheek to cheek because today we're doing Hartwood the way that we've been wanting to do it since we started which is back in person. It feels good to be back on campus. It feels good to be back in the School of the Environment in Croon Hall. And today, I have the fortune, I have the fortune of interviewing three, three outstanding folks here, individuals who have come here, and one also come here from across the ocean. And I appreciate that, because that for me, uh, it's a, uh, it's spiritual for me. It is. It is. Uh, it is. Um, it's powerful to me, and it's great to know that the school is being more enriched by the brilliant people who are being uh, admitted in here. So today we're going to be talking to three, three Yale students. Uh, let's see. Okay, we just did an introduction, so I did get which years that they are in. Okay, but that did just leave my mind, so I apologize. Okay, but we're going to get into that. Okay. But what I'd like to do today, because we're speaking to three leaders here in the school, is to ask you all to introduce yourselves for our listeners. You know, and if you will also tell, if you don't mind, because we've already done it, but tell them like about your research interest so that they really understand that while this is wonderful and brilliant, how brilliant it really is. Yeah. Hello, yeah. Um, hello, listeners, and then um, I'm very excited to be on this platform. This is actually my first um, podcast, so I'm a bit nervous, but I think <laughs> it's a very great experience, and I'm really feeling the vibe. So uh, I'll just go on by introducing myself. Uh, my name is um, Jeffrey Blay. That's not the, but I, I go by. I, I'm preferred to to be called Ato. Okay. So you know, anytime you see me, you can easily call me Ato, and I respond to that. And um, I'm, I'm a second year myself, environmental science student here. At the, um, here at um, U.S. School of Environment, and uh, my research focus is basically on um, urban sustainability and resilience, where I leverage on um, geospatial information systems that is basically um, satellite imageries and then uh, um, GIS um, techniques. And um, I, I flew in from Ghana from uh, I flew in from Ghana to to the United States in um, I think July 2021, basically for for school. That was my first time leaving the motherland or leaving Ghana to, to the United States of America. And so far, it has been a great experience. And, and, and I'm really excited to share, to share, to share, share my opinion or my views on, on, on my experience here at this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'll jump straight into introducing myself as yeah. well. Thank you for your introduction, Atto. It's always wonderful to hear about to hear about your work, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. My name is Tokozile Changufu. I go by Toko. That is my preferred name. I am from Zambia, and I've been in the U.S. since 2018 because I did my undergrad um, in California. So I've been here for for a while. Yes. So at here at Yale School of the Environment, I am a second year master forestry candidate. Really interested in community-based approaches for forestry and conservation and my research um, really looks at projects in, aimed at involving local communities and understanding the shortcomings and limitations and what gaps need to be filled so from my research into these projects I've been able to identify areas where I find that resources need to be directed towards um, communities doing 
forestry management or communities running conservation projects. So that's really my interest of, fo of focus. It's really on people and how people interact with, with resources. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're, I'm just happy to hear all of these connections to forestry. 30 years ago, it was a different conversation and I'm just elated to be here. And so last but not least, Leader is here with us online, but welcome <laughs> nonetheless. Oh, wait, 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 hold, wait, hold on, mute it. Hey, very much. Can you hear me? Clear, definitely. Okay, um, I'm Grace Chikori Domini. Um, I go by Grace. I'm from Nigeria. I came to the U.S. July 2022 for a master's degree in forestry at Yale School of Environment. And at Yale, I'm focusing on tropical forest management and I'm trying to look for a way to curtail the impact on, on the forest and I plan to use agroforestry as a tool to, uh, to reduce the impact on the forest. So I'm focusing on tropical forest management, as I said before, and this is my first time of being on the forecast. So I'm so elated to be here. We're gonna have some fun today. It's already started. Grace, Toto, Atu, welcome again to the podcast. And mm -hmm. we're just gonna dive right in, okay? So, I have a background of doing some activism. And I have, uh, of course, I have a forestry background. And so, knowing that you all are entering into this academic space, because the profession, you know, you're already doing it, but in entering into this academic space with the focus, and particularly talking about community and protecting forests, how, how can our culture, and I'm gonna ask specific to each country, um, how can your or our culture influence places like Yale, but more importantly, what can the environmental space learn from our cultures? And that's whether we're talking research, academics, profession, or whatever you want to add. <laughs> um, I, I, can, I can start something, because I have something in mind. <laughs> So I'm taking this um, environmental communication class with Toko, <laughs> and, which is very exciting. And I'm gonna um, take a word from Toko. She, she, she made some contribution in class about um, environmental communication, especially in Africa. And um, we were talking about um, where, um, um, at a point in time, our, our, tra our African traditions or African culture had uh, in them um, these um, taboos or traditions that kind of um, reflected or um, uh, um, uh, reflected or like spoke about environmental conservation, but then modernization and you know colonialism and everything kind of downgraded or kind of scrapped off all these um, conservation practices. They were, they were deemed as evil, but then now we are going back to it, and then like we are now realizing that oh, these practices were very very much like projecting or talking about conservation, but we didn't know. And I personally, like speaking from a personal experience, where I come from, I come from a rural part of the country. That's why I was really raised up. We used to have traditions that like, there are some certain days that you could go to. There are certain days that you don't have to go to the market. Sorry, you don't have to go to the farms. There are certain days you don't have to go for hunting. There are certain days you don't have to go to the sea. And those were all conservation practices, but we didn't know that. And so so it's, it's, it's kind of, um, interesting that we are still now going back to the conversation and it tells how much influence or how how powerful our cultural systems were in, even now in this modern day system so i believe that like you know really going back to our traditional practices picking the good sides of it like picking the good uh, practices that we, we were doing before that has been now scraped off or have been lost to modernization has has is kind of like you know really influence is very very much crucial to what we are doing now today. What is now the big topic of environmental like protecting the environment or protecting people within it is very much influential. So I think maybe we should go back and then you know kind of bring all of them sit at the table and you know plan again inculcate our culture because it's very it has a very bigger role to play what we are fighting against now and in the future. And I, I was simple. I add a little to it by saying that I think when I was introducing myself, I didn't delve much deeper into my um, research. But I'm 
uh, I'm a bit kind of out of the ordinary in, at the table because most of it are foresters, but I just want to say that what I do also kind of inculcates forestry in general, especially urban forestry, because my, my interest is in like urban sustainability, which is the well-being of the city, of cities or urban areas in general. And one crucial, one significant um, 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 aspect or factor of this, the sustainability of the urban environment is like trees, the importance of trees in urban, urban forestry. So I just wanted to highlight that. And then also, lastly, I'm not, <laughs> lastly, talk about um, how my culture has influenced my, my focus or the, my research that I'm doing here at Yo. Um, I'm looking at like urban, how, uh, urban density or building densities and then electricity infrastructures in, in Ghana. And um, this is kind of the, it, um, my culture or my, my experience from Ghana has really influenced what I'm doing now. Not only am I just doing looking at those research, but also delving deeper into the individual localities or neighborhoods within the cities. Too. So my analysis or everything that I'm doing is delving deeper into providing information that could help individual localities or communities or neighbor, let me say neighborhoods within, within the cities. Because like most of the research kind of look at cities from the broader perspective, but you know, it goes deeper than that. It goes to the communities, it goes to the neighborhoods within the cities. And I believe that you know, tackling or like implementing policies from, that, from the ground up is very influential, especially having the experience of communi community building and community born. From, from that, so I think just want to touch on that aspect of my me experiencing that community influence, like has also kind of influenced my my research or what I, what I'm doing. If, yeah. if I could please, first I do apologize that I didn't ask you about your research. You know, no, 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 no. I, I think I was <laughs> leaning I was in though to that. You know, and, 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 and but I say that because um, what you're doing is completely impacting forestry. Yeah. You know, I think that here in the U.S. and, and I'm not going to talk long because I got to hear from the other leaders. Okay, uh, just here in the U.S. We have siloed urban, rural, you know, so much that I think that some people forget that we impact each other. Each other. You know, each like it's all one ecosystem, you know, like exactly. in the end. Exactly. And, uh, and I think that how you said the practices that you have always done now being called conservation. Yeah. Okay. You know, but people are now having to go back and go into what is should have always been valued. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you breaking that, you know, breaking that down. And okay, here we go. Who'd like to go next? I can go. Okay. So um, yeah, I totally agree with um what Atul said about um the traditional norms, like the impact of traditional norms on conservation. When I was still a kid in Nigeria, I witnessed. I witnessed the term evil forest. <laughs> Mm, yeah. It's something that is used in, used in yeah. Nigeria. I think we can still see those in, in some of the epic Nigerian movies, the word evil forest. Like this is a forest that people are not allowed to have access to. People are not allowed to hunt. It's just a particular person. The forest, um, the for this forest are termed sacred. Yeah. People are not allowed to go in there. They just have the priest that goes into the forest to hear from the gods. Okay. So, and these forests are always intact. No activity yeah. goes, no, no single activity goes on in this forest. But with the production of um, colonialism and, and all development, evil forest is now a, a, a history in my locality. Yeah, so, and that has then impacted on um, conservation to an extent, mm -hmm. like to a great extent. Then we, the, we, we, see, we see a lot of butterflies in my locality, where right now we barely see butterflies. Like that's one of the, um, one of the, um, the, um, the example of, of the impact of, yeah. or the impact of modernization in my community right now. Mm -hmm. I barely, we barely see butterflies. So, I think that has a lot, um, a lot of impact on conservation. And if we can have um, something like that, I know we can't get it totally back. If we can have something like that back, or if we can incorporate that back in our current society, that have a great impact on on conservation. Yeah. I just want to add to that. Um, 
in your book, I'll show that that's really big too, like organization, sure. just giving back to the earth mm-hmm. in different ways and different forms. Mm-hmm. And then what you were saying before, uh, like reading Shinwanch, I feel like you hear about all those practices. You hear about everything where they're protecting certain parts of the forest, yeah. whether it's more implicit in the culture, but it's a culture that's been built up for millennia. You know, like yeah. they know how to live with the forest exactly. or live with the environment because they've been there for so long. Yeah. But then yeah. colonialization just erased so much of it. Right. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. And and uh, and last but not least, Topa. Yeah, thank you both so much for for your insights and just for sharing your experiences and how your culture has informed. Um, how you how you do your work I think I want to what I'm going to do is piggyback off of two things I I picked up from both of you Otto you began by um, highlighting relationships of people and nature and how those are positive relationships that have been redefined and then one thing I wanted to pick up from you Grace is the aspect of culture and uh, really how that can be used to to inform conservation um, so what I want to touch on is healing relationships. And you talked about the relationship between people and nature, and I am going to piggyback on that, as well as the relationship between people and other people. Um, so growing up, I would describe what I grew up with as the spirit of Ubuntu. Some people call it Ubuntu. And I heard you referring to Chino Achebe as well, who has one of the foundational readings on the spirit of Ubuntu, which is Africa is people. And we are, like our humanity is defined and created through other people. So we are all connected fundamentally. We are connected to each other. We are connected to nature. And I think that spirit needs to be carried through in this environment in that in terms of how we create environmental projects, whether it's in Africa, whether it's a project in the school, we're not just looking at a project. We're not just looking at subjects. We're not just looking at um, things. We're looking at people that we are connected to. We're looking at feedbacks. We're looking at, yeah, really just the fundamental principle that I want to see in every aspect of the work we do is understanding the, fun- the fundamental connection that we all have. Um, yeah, that's. That's what I want to see. That just just that comment makes me uh, think about something that I've I've recently said at a conference. Some people looked at me like I was you know like I was looking a little weird, but I said that um, the colonization of education to me seems to have siloed humanity because when you separate a lot of these different disciplines, well. Right, if we, if we go back thousands of years, these disciplines were all connected. Like there was no, you learn engineering and you don't learn like chemistry. You don't learn chemistry and you don't learn biology. You don't learn biology and you don't learn how to talk about it and speak about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I said that it siloed humanity because it separated us from, from the earth, even though that's impossible, you know, like literally, but it's like, but it separated us fundamentally. It separated us biologically, it separated us emotionally, mentally. So, you know, I, I, I really, I really, really appreciate what you just said because it's something that has been like touching at me for the last few years. And that was the, and then in the conference, we're talking about people in conservation, but they weren't talk. it was more like about business. And I said it out of anger, like, wait, wait a minute. So thank you. Uh, and, yes, yes, yes please. Oh, that oh, that. It so, allows people to be, wow. people can be manipulated. Like if there's a scientist in research mm-hmm. and they're just saying, I'm just doing my work. I'm just mm-hmm. being a scientist. Somebody else can go and use that science however they want to use it. Right. Without that person being aware of like the effects. Right. So something right. over here right. can have a huge impact like across a continent yeah. because mm-hmm. of somebody else's intention. Mm-hmm. And if I could just say one thing about that word science, just real quick. Just yeah. about back yeah. 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 I say something about that word science. When we think of, and, and it's not, it's not yeah, a push at you. Yeah. No, 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 it's not a push at you at all. But it's more about, you know, word usage and connecting the words yeah. and stuff. And when the forebearers or fathers of what we now know as the United States, but some will call it Turtle Island if you go back and, you know, talk to the indigenous people mm-hmm. of the land. 
they were doing science and everyone else is doing this traditional stuff, you know. Yeah. But then when you look at science and the science method, scientific method, that's a tradition. You have the same steps in <laughs> each one. <laughs> in each one. So what I would say is tradition is science. Okay, but okay, I'll get back to the question. I just want to say that that's all. That's all. That's all. That's all you know, like I said, it's not a dig at you at all. Thank you. That's not a dig at you at all. That's no, 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 no. That's really highlighting what's, what's been said here at the table. Okay, here we go. So, oh man, what? Well, I want to go. I want to jump to this question, which is, what challenges would you face if you tried to do environmental work or land management back home? And as you're thinking about that, okay, here we go. Okay, all right. I'd like, also like for you just to think about: Are you feeling that uh, your preparation, you know, here, or and maybe in other places? But I'm also talking about Yale. You know, it's getting you ready for. I know it's getting you ready, but how is it getting you ready? Yeah, I can get us started yeah. quickly. And that's Grace. Were you going to say something? Or, yeah. Okay, you can. I'm gonna just say something briefly, and then you can go after me. Okay. So I did, I did some work in Zambia during the summer in the eastern province, and I had never, I had never been there before. So I'm Zambian, I'm going in, I'm like, okay, I speak the languages. There's, they speak a different language there, but people are very accommodating, so they would speak Nyanja when they would otherwise be speaking Chewa because I speak, I speak Nyanja. But my main challenge was being a woman. So in this environment, it's like, as a woman, you can, like in my classes, I could do, like no one comments on the fact that I'm a woman. Whereas in this environment, it was really, I was really reminded that I'm a woman and I'm a single woman. And it was very strange for me to be going into the field, for me to, it's a very male dominated field I learned as well. So you would have to go into the field and it's mostly men. So it's like, who is this young woman going into the field with these men, it was very, it was very, it was very strange to people there. It was kind of an anomaly, um, so that was kind of tough. As well as the building the relationships with men in higher positions in the field was a challenge for me, which I just could not have been prepared for with going to school here. Um, but it ended up, it ended up being total. It ended up being totally fine. I figured out ways to to navigate to navigate that. It just caught me off guard. Okay, um, for me, I would say that, first of all, I would attribute it to my country. <laughs> yeah. My country was a big challenge. I, I knew what I wanted to do. I had vision. I was so interested in the environment I, from childhood. I love nature, so I needed to go into something relating to nature. But my country, up to this moment, is not giving us breeding ground to do well in this, on my academic field. First of all, when I decided to do forestry as a course, I get questions like, because in Nigeria you have to write um, an entry exam since into college called JAM. You're like, were you offered, did you pick this course or did JAM offer you the course? because of maybe because of my low performance in gym. I said, no, I picked the course. I was like, how would you pick forestry? And I'm like, that's what I want to do. You, you, you can't do forestry in Nigeria. It's not something that is, that is, that is, that is um, recognized in this country. I'm like, but we have a lot of forest that is being degraded every day. Nigeria, Nigeria has a lot, of, um, a lot of impact on deforestation in Nigeria currently, and it's still growing. And I saw all those and said, I want to go into this. So, and again, um, that, that was one of the big challenges then. Forestry, there was no breeding ground to practice forestry so well in Nigeria. And I... I think that's one of the challenges. And then family, family wants you to do something professional. They feel forestry is not professional enough. Mm. And yeah, I think that's, I, I, for now, I would say that's like the two big challenges I had in, in doing forestry. <laughs> family and my country. <laughs> Thank you. 
interesting. Uh, I think um, in addition to what, oh, you wanted to say something? I, I just want to say that, okay, outside of the gender part, uh, but when you talked about not being, it not being perceived as professional enough, you know, it, it was the same thing for a young black man in Alabama that uh, and my family still questions, you know, yeah. and then you want to go into that? I mean, I got that so much, yeah. and I'm an Eagle Scout here, that's about being in the outdoors, and I got questions, so thank you, thank you, all right, no, we, okay, it's all right. It's to me too. My yeah. Okay, so I think um, I'll, I'll, I'll start off from this angle. Over the last two years being at you, I've really learned a lot. Like, I've really learned a lot in, in my space or in, in, my, in my field that I operate. But with all that I've learned, it can still never prepare me for, for going back home or like, you know, really doing something, trying to go back home. And I think it, it reflects more of what Grace is saying about the country in general. Mm -hmm. And then um, secondly, it's about the perception and the boss that, you know, generally people or the community kind of puts you in. Like, I, I, I don't come from a forestry background, but I come from a geography background. And whilst doing geography in undergrad, all, you, you can, all you're going to hear is like, oh, geography, with geography, all you're going to, the best you can be is becoming a, 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 a high school teacher. That that is all that they tell you. That is all that they tell you. So like it's kind of puts you in the bus, and it also kind of reflects what you said earlier. Like, and it's very difficult now that everything is all about economics, all about money. Yeah. It's really difficult. Everything is now measured from the angle of how much you're going to make, how much uh, you, you you can you know how much uh, how much money you can accrue from whatever that you're, you're doing, and that is kind of hard. And I also went back home this summer for my research, and then. You, you could get a sense of like what is happening like people are not really interested in the impact of what you are bringing on board or like how in, important the implementation of or whatever research you are doing how it's going to add to sustainability environment to the quality of life or it's all about the economics aspect of it it's all about what you're going to do after school it's all about like how the best job you're going to get after school and it, it kind of makes it and sometimes kills the vibe. It's so hard to talk about something like that, but it's really hard yeah. to kind of make an impact, especially from where, where, where we are coming from. Yeah. Back home. Yeah, we get questions like, where, where would you work after? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where would you work after? <laughs> and in as much as you are really strong and passionate about some whatever you're doing, something gets you thinking, like, it's, it's kind of true, like, what am I going to do after school or something? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, I, I, I want to fear from, from the question, just for a quick minute. <laughs> I, just, I want to talk about academia for, for a, a quick moment. Because, so while I'm a forester and a geneticist, I'm also a diversity professional. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of diversity mm -hmm. consulting. Okay, like that's, that's like my main thing now. And when I was here, and when I've been in other places, in particular working with students, somewhere along the line, I felt like, wait a minute, if I don't course correct, I'm doing you all a disservice. And this is what I mean. Mm. I mean, I'm all about the language of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but what I understand is that outside of these walls, majority of people don't use them. You know, they don't talk about it in the way that we do. They don't value it the way that we do, and they also don't try to protect it the way that I think I do, which is to protect you know, identities of people. And I'm not trying to get deep in, you know, like yeah. deeper, but what I'm saying is that my question is, do you think that in academia, perhaps we're sheltered from like the reality of um, what really, imp what, what can impact? Because I know everything we're doing impacts people. So right. please, please, I'm just, I'm trying to find the words in the moment because mm -hmm. it's just kind of tugging at me. Mm -hmm. But do you think that in, in academia we're, like sheltered from um, tangible aspects of like that really impact people, yeah. you know, and that and, and that's just I too. It's, it's when you said I can, I can never be prepared here to, you know, it's, it, it just, that just landed with me. And even how you started, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, and I don't want to do the cliche thing. Is how does how do you find a strong? No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. But you know, but why? 
insane. Wow, you know. So yeah, please. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking on too much. I just I'd love to know what. You, and then we'll get back here. That's okay. I just I just wanted to. Yeah, I think to a large degree, yes. And I am going to speak for my undergraduate institution in California, which was using it was one. It was a very diverse school, so I think what they what they were going for was diversity in terms of country representation. So they had like there were about 50 countries represented in this school, and this is a school of 500 students. Mm. So in terms of diversity, they were, doing re they were doing really, really well, but they also embodied this color-blind approach. So we yeah. were living in this mm. little village bubble where we were so diverse, students from Japan, Ethiopia, Zambia, so many countries represented, Brazil, to name a few. And we were in this bubble, but when you leave campus, you have a completely different experience because this is Orange County that I was in. So it's very, um, it was very white. It was not, not a very diverse area, but a very diverse school within a not very diverse area. So I would have these experiences where I'm at school and I'm able to have these great philosophical discussions. And if someone does something that offends me or there's a microaggression you can be in this environment where you have a dialogue you have a conversation but then outside of it there'll be people who will be like your english is so good where did you learn kind of stuff like that on the regular so yeah that is wild you get followed in shops like stuff like that yeah yeah so that was that was very different that was very different where that's one concrete example where i saw i am in a bubble and when you leave campus you were really you would experience it so i would say yes institutions do serve as somewhat of yeah a bubble how can you say something I'll, I'll jump in a little bit about what she said about asking you where you learned English from. <laughs> when I was coming to the US, I met a guy, and he asked me where I'm, where I'm from. It was my first time in the US. That was July last year. He asked me where I'm from. I said I'm from Nigeria. He said, how come you know how to speak English? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I wish people could see the facial reactions in here. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm. Wow. I said, okay. I'm, I'm, I, told, I told him I'm going to Yale. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, you know, I, I think um, they've already touched on what I was going to say. Kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of in the same tangent. So I'll mm -hmm. just leave it be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, well. Thank you all. I, uh, you know, when when I course corrected, it's not that I got away mm -hmm. from the terms or the history of it. You know, or the history. You know, kind of. You know how people feel comfortable with that word too. Mm -hmm. But you know, I was like, people aren't dealing with the same. They're not dealing with the same nature that we're dealing with. Yeah. We're dealing with just being here and existing in this space and respecting our, our minds, you know, yeah. and, and our contributions. And of course, also where we come from mm -hmm. and what we bring to it. But out there in the world, there are people who don't even care. You know, I, I, I ran into that. So I, I, I thank you for sharing your stories because uh, that's the most important. And so with that, um, hmm, I'd like to ask a question then about your experience here, you know, which is about how has your experience been here? Now, now, now before you answer, I just want to say this. As a, as a uh, well, uh, less than younger person, I'm still young, uh, from Alabama, I had a really, it was a, it was a wonderful experience, but it was like a different world to me. I just want to, and I'm not trying to direct your, your comments, I'm just saying for me, it was coming from what we call the dirty south, but coming from the south up here, and the pace and community, you know, and the community I love the most after, of course, the students I loved also because y'all are the lifeblood of what we do here, at least I st felt that and still do. But my question is, how has your experience been? And I don't, no, just as a student, mm -hmm. as a student, okay, you can add other aspects to that because I just want to know as a student, how has your experience, and I'm looking at all four of you two, if you want to answer that too, okay, <laughs> minute, all right. And, and oh. as you're thinking about that, you know, I'd like to know like, like, you know, the things about home that you miss, 
you know, so as you took, like, how's it been? And then are there things about home, you know, you, you can, you know, talk about that. I can start. Okay, yeah, you can, you can. Um, please, 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 yes. Um, I always start um, from the part of what I miss, um, what I miss so much. Mm-hmm. I miss my family. Coming to the U.S. with, with, um, okay, I'm a first gen, and I'm the first in my family to come to the U.S. Like my 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 only family. Coming to the U.S. was a big shock to me. Leaving my family behind in Nigeria was a really big shock, and I have not totally recovered from it. Like it keeps coming, so I miss my family so much. And when I got to the U.S., one big shock I got was I came with a lot of Nigerian food, so I I kind of was prepared, but not to get totally prepared. When I came in here, I didn't like the food. <laughs> they, were, they were so different from. Nigerian food. I was struggling. I, I think I, I usually tell Bennett that I was struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to Bennett always and tell Bennett, Bennett, what do you think I should try that looks like Nigerian food? I similar to Nigerian food again. <laughs> it was a big challenge to me, like a very, very big challenge to me. And also sometimes I felt like I, I usually feel like I was not good enough. I usually get that feeling once in a while, you're not good enough. Mm. You're all better than you. You should just keep quiet. Your accent is bad. They, are you sure they're hearing what you're saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I, I usually feel like that sometimes, not always. But I have to come to this place. I, I have to put myself in this place or have to grow up to this place that that accept my own accent. I'm Nigerian and I speak English. I understand their accent, so they should understand my own accent. I'm not speaking something different. So that was a big a, a problem for me or a challenge for me when I came into the US. I can't remember all that. I think I will jump in later when um, if I remember anyone. And my experience as a student at Yale, it has been been great so far. Even though sometimes we experience some hiccups on the way, but I think it's been great so far. The faculty, the faculty members are super welcoming. I've had really great relationship with them. I, I would, I would really, really um, acknowledge them. Like they really made me, uh, they give, they gave me this welcoming. Like they welcomed me so well. They make me feel like I'm a mom. Like they make me feel welcome. And I don't know how to explain this. But I would attribute um, a lot of my distance to the faculty members. They did a great job. Like the the YSC faculty and and like the the professors and everyone in YSC and the students are, have been great. Some of them, not all, but some of them. <laughs> so I think that's that's it for me right now. Thank you. Okay, um, I think um, I shared some of the things that you said, but I also say that, like, I was just start off with coming coming to the U.S. For me, like, it's the little things, but like generally, I would say it has been good because for me, <laughs> I've been dreaming of coming to the U.S. for years prior to coming here. So, like, coming finally getting the chance to come in to U.S. was kind of very interesting. It was kind of an expectation that I was having. So, like. When I got in, I was a bit excited, and also, and um, I'll, I'll say I'm also very, very lucky, because like, um, my like I'm saying I'm lucky because of my how my transition, my transition, or I, um, I'm still adjusting, but like my adjusting, my me adjusting to the US to the US in general was 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 smooth, I would say, because of the help and the normal support that I had when I was coming in, like. I already had um, two of my uncles and my cousins in the United States. So when I came in, I like I, I went to stay with them for like two weeks. So for the for that whole two weeks, I was eating Ghanaian food. So the only thing that had changed, <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing that had changed was my physical location. But I was, I was speaking my local language. I was still having the Ghanaian vibe. I was eating Ghanaian food for two weeks from my cousins to my uncles. But when I came to school, it was a different story. 
But even that, I was a bit lucky because I came with another Ghanaian brother. His name is Freddie. So I still had that piece of Ghana, Ghana with me. Mm-hmm. But it was different. Like it, it, it made, he made me see the difference. And like it dawned on me later on that, you know, what because he, we, the vibe between him and like when we meet, the vibe that we, like the vibe that we have is totally different from the general vibe that I was getting. Mm-hmm. Not because of like people were being rude or none of that. It was just different, different cultures, different vibe. Like I could talk with him for hours. I could, and do, those are the little things that I'm talking about. That's what makes me really miss back home, because like you could go on for hours, have that community conversations. So when I meet Fred, we talk about that. We talk about and even Toko, like as an African, if I say we could talk for hours in the kitchen, we were in the same place. We could talk for hours, but it's it's slightly different and it's a, it's a bit different. And one thing, one big cultural shock that I had was United, like the US as in general is so sensitive. <laughs> it, 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 it's so sensitive. So it it, it, it was too much. It's, it's still too much for me. It's, it's still too much for me. So it's too much for me. So I'm like, it's alright. Yeah. And then as a student, I think oh, it's been amazing. As a student, it's difficult because the the systems are different so difficult so many challenges but the support is so great from the faculty to my advisor to the student and to even the YSC community for me i i i i'm not i'm the type of person that don't really care about if you don't want to be cool with me i'm, I'm also i'm okay mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i don't really look at that. that that aspect don't really affect me the most even though i haven't had a, a direct like dislike or like negative energy from anyone but there are some subtle things that happen but i i don't i don't I don't really care much about those things. So generally, it's been and people are so many. Like everyone is nice. Like the community have been supportive in supportive in general. I would say, mm-hmm. I would say. So yeah, I think the school like school aspect is, is the challenges are there. Like with what Grace said, sometimes speaking in class, you think that you're asking. And the the one headfoot thing is like you're speaking English, but when you speak an English to someone, someone excuse me, what do you say? Like sometimes it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know it kills the vibe a bit. Mm-hmm. But but. I understand it's like cultural differences. So mm-hmm. for me, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think, but generally it's a great experience. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I would say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, thank you both for sharing your, your experiences. So I've been here a lot longer than, yeah. than both of you. So I came in 2017, I was 18 years old and I came to the US for the first time by myself. And I didn't have any family. Mm. It was just me and my two suitcases figuring out how to get from Los Angeles to Orange County. And that was a very difficult experience. Mm. And I remember one of the things that was my main culture shock was how in Los Angeles and in California, people have a tendency to say, to greet you, hello, how are you? But it's not actually that they want to know how you are. No, they don't. They just want to hear, I'm fine. Like, good, thanks, is it. That's kind of where it ends. And that really made me miss home because in Zambia, the greeting is like, which is like, how have you woken up today? And when someone speaks to you in that way, it's it's a conversation if exactly. someone asks you how you're oh this is what's going on with my family i'm yeah, actually having a right. tough time yeah. or you say no things are actually great this is how great things are yeah. so it's it's yeah. very you feel more connected exactly. so i kind of in california felt disconnected mm-hmm. which was which was really tough but even at my undergraduate institution the faculty was very supportive but i think at yale the support has more depth to it mm-hmm. because my undergrad institution was using this colorblind approach which was kind of like we're all here yeah. and we're all the same so we all get like every student gets what a student every student gets the same mm-hmm. whereas and we had to like fight just to have a black student union like that was, it was formed during my time there it's also more of a new institution whereas being here there are spaces already mm-hmm. Um, and the resources are there for new spaces to be created. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of communicating your needs exactly. and those needs will be, will be met. So I really jumped into the Africa Student Interest Group, which is where we were all able to, yeah. to connect and just like 
just spread so much love and support each other. So that's been one of my favorite spaces here at the School of the Environment and the faculty. I mean, they prepare you for the winter and how the cold will hit you, but no one prepares you for the mental health toll. Because it's true. It's true. It's tough. It's brutal. They should do more of that. They should do more of that. There is definitely, yeah, it's too much. It's so challenging. So there was a time when I started to feel more depressed, like it became harder to do my schoolwork. And the, the dean of student, affair, student life would check in on me mm. when I was depressed. And I remember once I had, I had COVID and the dean, Indy Burke, reached out and said, I've seen you have, like you have COVID and you're an international student. You're here. Do, can I help you with anything? Do you need wow. me to drop you off food? And that level of care yeah. is not found in other places. It's no. unique. Yeah, yeah, it's unique. Yeah. So that, that... Yeah, that showed a lot about just how well we're supported here as students, especially as international students. Yeah. We get a deep level of care. Yeah, Andres is the one who chose. Yeah, yeah, Andres is amazing. So, so for those listening, the uh, comments are being made about Yale School of the Environment administration which means that they're, the bombs still are, they were when I was here, and this continued on. So yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I want to say something about the food comments, just real quick. Um, <laughs> and just in particular, like when I went to Ghana and had bonku and had fufu, it was, <laughs> my body naturally took to it. And with me being a vegetarian at the oh. time, I was able to, like, took to it. I even, I actually ate fish. Like, I was like, okay, I'll try, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll eat. Um, since COVID, okay, hold on, great. Is everything cool? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, Since COVID, I've tried to get even healthier, and um, and what I want to say is I I don't know what the difficulty was, Grace, but I can tell you now that like going to going to the motherland, coming back here, eating more natural, I struggle with the food now. And, and, and I'm bringing that up just because in talking about the environment, how sometimes being in different environments, you, you can start to take on the habits of, the, um, of, of that place. And I do think that there's a reason why we have so much cancer here, uh, not just because of, you know, but with the environmental impacts, you know, like that is true. You know, but, you know, we have like diabetes and we have uh, hypertension and we have high blood pressure here. I like to say that we are the masters of invented foods because... <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. we'll take a peach and turn it into cobbler, but I'm like, that's a, that's a peach. That's a peach. You know, we'll take a sweet potato and turn it into a pie now, but I'm like, that's, that's sweet potato, you know. And then, of course, when I went, you know, overseas and then saw different, you know, learned yams and the difference, you know, I'm just like, wow, it's, it's so much, okay, it's, it's so many things that also as I was growing up, you know, and my grandmother, she passed with diabetes, but when I was growing up, she and my grandfather, they were the ones who were gardening. So most of our food, up until fast food became a common mm-hmm. thing, our food was outside. Mm-hmm. I was hungry, boy, go. And I was, I was 300 plus pounds. Well, not when they were alive, after they died, I got that oh. But um, go outside and get something. Go pick it. Bring, bring me a tomato, boy. Bring me a bell pepper. And now I'm glad my father is now basically mm-hmm. a, uh, growing his food. Now we say farmer. Okay, garden, but he's growing his food. <laughs> And I just want to say that I don't that I, I think and, and not that and not that not that you thought it was Grace. I'm not saying it, but that uh, I think a lot of people who care about their health and also re- respect their culture and never let it go. When you get here, you start touching some of what's going on here. It's going to be some challenges. True. You know. True. You know. And, and I think that would just naturally happen in addition to the unhealthy aspects of right. what we do here in the U.S. So I just I just want to j- just to comment on that and then just say please I hope this comes out right in the end. Do not fall in love with our food. Don't. It is. I mean, enjoy the pizza. If, if you know, it's a trap. Enjoy the pizza if you want to, but remember, walk it off. Okay, walk it off. All right. And uh, okay, now I'm just trying to think the next thing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, just. Uh, I here just in a month or two. I added like over twenty pounds Whoa. in just a month or two. From here. And. Mm-hmm. I'm still struggling with that up to now to to mm-hmm. lose that, mm-hmm. and it's really really difficult. And the stress, the stress doesn't help yeah. you. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I stress eat, and yeah. I can I can feel in my body now, like when I go to the gym, like mm-hmm. just eating from the stress, and then you go to greasy and sugary stuff. 
That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please know, like, I'm not, look, I don't want no industries to come after me, but look, I, here's what I want to say. If you like bread, work to not like it. Okay, because a lot of times the weight that's hard to get off is the extra chemicals that's in the body and the inflammation that's that, that's that, that's happening. It's like you can work out as much, but it's not that. I'm telling. Look, when I stopped eating, and I'm not telling you to throw it away. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But when I stopped eating bread and processed sugar three years ago, when I just stopped, I was like, all right, this COVID stuff happened. Got to get vaccinations. There's other things I can do too. Mm-hmm. Do that and get healthier. I lost 28 pounds. I'm like, what? How did I lose 28 pounds? Mm-hmm. And then my body stopped making mucus, so I stopped having, like, you know, cause I mean, you know, body's not perfect, you know, I'm not saying that, of course, you know, but, but all I'm saying is that, is that when I stopped eating some of that stuff, those other challenges that I was having, having, I stopped having them. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, so that's also what I'm saying, and, 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 and I'm not saying, I'm not talking at you, please, I hope no one takes it that way. I'm just saying, I know that um, many people come here and then they kind of get, you know, I think addicted is the word because there's so much in the food, there's so many attitudes, they get addicted to, to this and so I just want to say that you continue please to do what we what you naturally do and what was kind of taken from those who came here and then was trying and we're trying to relearn it now and still those who you know try to pay homage back home basically is that a lot of the cultural foods here unless they're from back home like I can only eat Ethiopian food I can only eat Indian food you take me to a place where it's just fried I can only eat that you know you know and and then I, I but I won't eat rice I'm not again, but you know, just there's just certain things not that my body is done. And I know this podcast is not about that. This is about Harwood. This is about diversity. This is about our beautiful guests we have here. This is about forestry. This is about environment. For all of you book lovers, book readers, there's a new text out for you. Mind Heart for Diversity, written by Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley. This book is for those who care about matters of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those who want to talk about race, or gender challenges, and issues going on in the world. For those who don't want to hold a book in your hand or have a physical copy, the book is also available on Audible. So thank you for supporting the book, My Heart for Diversity, written by, once again, Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley, founder and CEO of My Heart for Diversity Consulting. LLC. Thank you. I'll tell you, you talked about this a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, what does your, what does your family like think about you going into this field? Because my dad is so mad at me, even when I'm at this school, that I didn't go into law. What are you doing? What are you doing at this school environment? Let's wow. talk. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. No, 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 no. I cannot. <laughs> to be honest, I'm. I'm not sure if my family knows what I'm doing now. It's not even me. I mean, my mom and my brothers. I don't know. I think, and it's one thing that I'm really fortunate fortunate to have because, like, growing up, even from right from. Um, junior high school how are you gonna say like right from a uh, middle school yeah we're equivalents of like junior high school back home they kind of left i don't know if they, they had too much trust in me i'm still trying to i don't know if they had too much trust in me or they just didn't know much to kind of advise me about but like they just gave me that freedom to kind of follow follow and choose what i like mm-hmm. so right from middle middle school up until now i've i've kind of made my own academic decisions Sometimes informed by by my performance in in the final exams, as Grace said, like in Ghana, when you're transitioning from one level of study to another, maybe from middle school to high high school, you have to sit and write an, a general exams. If you pass, then you go. I think it's like equivalence of SAT here. Mm-hmm. It's the same with college. So based on that, it informs your decisions to kind of. But a bit, pretty much in the nutshell, I've I've always kind of chosen topics or you know followed. Do, done courses that I'm, I'm really interested in so they've not had much of an influence on my um what i what i'm doing academically i think it's too much trust or <laughs> some i think some, to be honest sometimes i feel like they don't know much or they don't really care as far as they or they trust me i honestly i don't really know how to explain it but i take it from a good angle that they're giving me that room and then mm-hmm. giving me that trust to kind of to, uh, um 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 to do what I what I what I what I love, 
and, and here I am. But I, to be honest, if I tell them I'm doing GIS, I'm interested in urban, I, I don't think they, they, they know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so that's it. That's it. Yeah. Similarly to. Oh. Oh, okay. I'll go <laughs> ahead. Similarly to to Ato, I've always had the freedom to choose whatever I've whatever I've wanted based on my own interests. But my dad did not have the same freedom. This might be why he decided to give it to me because he wanted to be an artist, a painter. Um, but his dad told him he couldn't do that because he wouldn't make enough money. So he oh, ended up that. being, yeah, so he ended up being, being a farmer. And that mm. was the only job that I thought existed in related to environment. Mm. Ah. So in the first grade I had, we used to have these little career days where you'd wear an outfit and you'd get to say, when I grow up, I want to be, and I wanted to be a farmer. <laughs> and I remember my, my little kid friends thought that was quite funny that I wanted to be a, to be a farmer. And then I, st I switched and then I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to be, there's a point where I wanted to be an actress because I love theater. Um, so I, I got into that, but then I came to the US to do my undergrad and I took some political science classes because I thought that I got to really discover unique in my interests and I realized I, I didn't align with that and then I stumbled across a course where I learned about the work of Wangari Matai mm -hmm. and that was the first time I realized, oh my gosh, there's people that are doing this work and it's possible for me to because she paved the way so i remember that was the second year of my undergrad and that's when i declared environmental studies but growing up i didn't know about any environmental forestry related careers outside of being a farmer um yeah and then here i am now pursuing yeah. forestry so yeah okay for me um growing up my dad wanted me to attend Maritime, Maritime Academy. Maritime Academy is a, is a Navy school. Mm -hmm. So my daddy wanted me to be a Navy because he sees a lot of female Navy. And OK, we live close to Maritime Academy, so he sees a lot of female naval officers, and he always loved them. <laughs> so he wanted me to be like he wanted me to go like that something and I not something I wanted. I didn't want to go into the military. But that, that is it for my dad. My mom, um, as Jeffrey said, just trusted me to do whatever I wanted to do. And I don't know if she I think she just did um her secondary school, so she didn't have a lot of knowledge on yeah. what I can do. So she didn't really influence that. Yeah. Growing up during my elementary school, I as I said earlier, I have always loved the environment. I have always loved to to work with the environment. I read about um, an agricultural inspector that came to visit um during my elementary school. I think I was in my primary six. Um. I learned about an agricultural inspector that came to visit a community and he was educating them, like a rural extension program. He was educating them and I fell in love with it. So I said mm. I was going to do agricultural engineering. Mm. Okay. Yes, I said I was going to do agricultural engineering. And growing up, when I got to my secondary school, like high school, I was doing well in agriculture. It was easy for me. But when I got to my SS, um, to my senior high school, like to the senior high school, I, I switched to forestry. I read about forestry. I saw it as a course. I really wanted to do something that there are a lot of people doing agriculture. I really wanted to do something that a lot of people are not doing, but having that really needs people, but people are not really doing. And, and I saw forestry, and it was, and it was perfect for me. My mom was didn't really have. Um, she really didn't have um, influence on it. She just asked me to go for what I want to do. But my uncle, who is my sponsor, <laughs> he, he wasn't so comfortable with it. But he didn't, okay, he lives in the US and he didn't want to be tagged. Um, he's imposing a cost on me. He didn't want to be tagged that he imposed a cost on me. He told me he would have loved me to do something um, um, professional. 
I can actually be a doctor with my with my with my with the kind of result I have. I can do whatever I want to be with the result I have. Why going into forestry? Mm -hmm. I told him that's what I wanted to do, and he allowed me, and that's how I got here. Mm -hmm. so, that's it. so I did forestry and environmental management um, for my undergraduate. Great. Right. You, you, you got you got any, any more questions? I don't have any more questions. I'm just appreciative that y'all came out came out here during midterm season during all the stress and yeah, yeah this is great. I learned the locker that we had and it was so beautiful so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I it it is my honor and pleasure. Thank you for uh, allowing me to even, you know, uh, talk with you all, you know, today because I haven't been on campus in, in a while. And uh, this was a, really a blessing for me. I really enjoyed it. And I hope that you knock out those midterms, which I know you will. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, uh, and I know that you'll be finishing up. Yeah. Right, you said second year? Okay, all right. Okay, Both so, of us. Okay, oh, excuse yeah, me. Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, so, you know, congrats on that. You know, Thank so you wonderful. So and uh, you just have one more year, and you'll be finishing up too, Lita. And so, uh, you know, you continue being strong. And I, I, did, did you want to say something? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Okay. But I have a question for you when you're done. Oh, no, oh, no, then I'm done. I was, <laughs> asking, I was going to ask you, like, did you want to say anything else or did you have any questions for us or? So, yeah. Okay, so I, I really didn't get um, a lot about you. I think you said something about yourself when, you, when we started, mm -hmm. but I didn't really, really get that. So what are you doing currently? Oh, uh, so I have... Um, so I, I took the skills that I think that I learned from here and mm -hmm. at North Carolina State, where I was before here in the Forest Service too, uh, and some urban forestry work, and I went and started my own firm. It wasn't my plan to be mm -hmm. a, a consultant like that. Uh, I've, I've, I wanted to be a VP somewhere, um, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and the only reason that I had uh, resigned from Yale was really mostly family. Uh, my, my dad's self wasn't you know, great at, at the time. And my mom was kind of, you know, waning too. So, uh, and my sister and I both were here in Connecticut. Uh, so I was like, well, one of us got to get, you know, closer. So I went, I went back home, and um, didn't get any of the jobs that I applied for. You know, so I was like, well, dad, you know. But when those places became clients, I was like, oh, well, dad. Well, and so, <laughs> you know, and so I started. Yeah. And so two years ago, I started, and I'm fortunate that it's still going well. Hmm. And then I have a music uh, label. I'm wearing one of the t-shirts right now. Oh. And um, well, I work with artists around the country, one in California in particular, but one in Ohio, two in North Carolina, and now one in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. And uh, we mostly make what we call Save Your Life music. So it's all positive. No, you know, we don't denigrate, don't curse, um, mm -hmm. you know, the music. I mean, we're not against it. We just don't, you know, just, just yeah. seems to not happen, you know. Uh, and then um, I do a lot of speaking. I published a book last, Last year, I did you know, the years seem to run together ever so often. Check out the audiobook. Uh, yes, oh. and it is on Audible. Yes, uh, and um, what's the title? Like? Mind Heart for Diversity, which is the same name of my consulting firm. Too. Okay. Mind Heart for Diversity. I'm going to change the, the consulting firm name uh, at the end of the year, though, to Mind Heart Strategies, because that's what we do. Uh, we go in and we help organizations achieve their goals, any level of organizational development, leadership development, and so. Uh, when I was here, when I came in, and I know this is a long answer, I'm so sorry, Grace, so I, I'll say this and then I'll, I'll hush, I'll give you the 60 seconds. When I came here, I was the first administrator of color that they had had, you know, when I, when I first came in 2018. Wow. So recent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when I left, there were six of us, okay? When I came in, we didn't have any faculty of color, let alone with tenure. When I left, there were six. Mm -hmm. Okay, Professor Taylor was one of them, Professor Torres was one of them, because they, they were the first two that I, you know, really pushed, pushed mm -hmm. to bring in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, um, and that was a really tough process to be in a place as established as this and to still be able to accomplish that and accomplish that without having tenure and accomplish that being, being technically one of the youngest administrators here and being mm -hmm. black, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I did the same thing at NC State. Here it took me two years to do, and NC State it took me eight years. Wow. So that's when I said, okay. Yeah. So yeah, but that but you know, it's being 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 in the South. 
you know, and I felt like being in the South really prepared me for up here. There was still a lot of challenges now, you know, it's the Ivy League, so I'm not going to act like uh, I came in here ready to do. Mm-hmm. No, I came in here and learned a lot, but yeah. NC State prepared me to get it done because now there, and I'm not down in the South because I'm from the South, but they don't want to, they, yeah. they don't want this kind of stuff to really succeed because yeah. it changes the power structures. Yeah. So this is what I do now with uh, uh, with some um, organizations. And Grace, your question actually brings up something that I wanted to say earlier when I said I was doing the students a disservice. We ch- I felt I was. People wouldn't say that. Students didn't say that because they learned so much, but I changed a lot of what I was doing when I realized, no, the other world, because it's, it's all the same world, mm-hmm. that the students are going into, we got to make sure that they can withstand a lot of things mm-hmm. because like you said, being very sensitive, a lot's going to come at you. And that's just for being there. Yeah. Now add the identity stuff and being different or, or, you know, just all of that stuff. So anyway, I'm sorry, you know, I'm going on and on, but that is what I do now. Thank you very much. Thank you for the question. Yeah, that's all for me. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, how, how, how about you? Any, any last words from, from uh, you all? I, I think um, I, all I just I'll just say is just thank you to you and then to um, Bennett as well for you know inviting us over. It's it's a really amazing and you know and it's always nice to kind of have this open dialogue and open conversations about this because it's 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 important like it's and it's very very much needed as well. Just cause it's, it's so just <laughs> keep doing what you're doing and, and it is uh, like and I'm I'm very appreciative of the invitation because this is my first podcast and I'm gonna. so thank you yeah thank you yeah and uh, where where can we kind of get it in case you want to listen to it or follow the podcast or something like so this is going to you all are part of the fifth season so it's so the first through the fourth is is up online wherever you can find podcasts it's the heartwood podcast h-e-a-r-t-w-o-d Okay. And you'll find us um, out there, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, okay. we okay. are there. Okay. And so okay. this will go, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, uh, talking sure. about the releases and stuff like that. And, okay. And then your voice will be touching the world in other ways. Sure. 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 Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. So, I mean, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a blessing. Yeah. I'm happy that we still do this and I'm glad that, and I thank the school for also, you know, still, you know, supporting it. And I thank you, you yeah. know, for being an anchor here, you know, and making it happen. So. Uh, I'm really the most fortunate one, you know, for this to be able to come here and talk to y'all. So thank you for real. And for everyone listening, uh, I know you got a lot out of this episode or these di- these different beautiful, wonderful experiences that you just heard. Uh, it's it, it is so it's it is such an honor to sit down in person again with people and talk to them. Uh, I, I, I really I really do appreciate that, you know, and, and to see our um you know our our other leader here uh, online. I really 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 appreciate you. Um, you're listening to another episode of the Hardwood Podcast. It's myself and Bennett. We are signing off. Uh, brother, you got any, anything you want to say? Well, then, hey, y'all, just the Hip Hop Forester, brother Bennett here. We had we we happy to be here, and we are signing off from here, at Yale University's campus, School of the Environment. Peace.